Well, hello and welcome to the Fire Drawn Air bonus episode. Before I start, Anton, I'm going to say I'm recording the episode today with my window wide open because it's absolutely boiling outside. Um, you might hear some airplanes going past, as one is now. I hope that's okay. There's also, like, there's lots of birds singing outside. I generally like that kind of thing. Like, if I could just isolate the bird song and leave the airplanes out, that'd be grand. Like, what I have done before is just record separate bird song and mix that in for a nice ambience. But um, it's gonna be a few airplanes because we're directly under the flight path for Dublin Airport to where I am. Hope that's all right. I just really want to record this with the window open. It's gonna be a much nicer experience for me. Um, but anyway, so yeah, welcome to the show. I have, okay, today is, so today is an interesting one. Basically what I want to do is a reworking of a very early episode that I did. Um, the second episode I ever did of the Fire Drawn Air bonus show, or whatever you want to call it. Um, it was all about the song Eggs and Marabones, or Marabones. And I basically just w was never happy with how it turned out, so I never really made it public. And it just came up in the Road Ballad Index as the kind of next one that I could do a show on. So I decided to basically do it again and make one that I am happy with. So this is Road Ballad number 183. If you put it into the index, you'll get around 250 results. But as I said, there are often like duplications and things like that in the index. So that's not a completely accurate number, although I can give you some kind of idea relatively of how popular a song was. But the plot of this ballad, it's very well known at this point in time. The plot tells of a woman who loved her husband, we are told, but loved another man twice as well. She decides to kill her husband and is advised, usually by a doctor, to feed him eggs and marabones to make him blind. She does this and then when she is sure that he cannot see a thing, brings him to the riverside to push him in. At the very last moment he steps aside, but she falls in instead. And then when she calls for help, he replies that he can't because he's blind and he pushes her further in, sometimes with a pole. Um, and then there's actually an interesting thing that I only realised working through the versions I'm going to play. There's often a, like a coda or a final verse that is particular to every single... I've never heard any of them repeated, but they're particular to each version. And they're often like... Uh, they often break the fourth wall and they talk about the singer singing the song or maybe talk about the veracity of the song. But we'll deal with that when we come to it. But it's just an, a nice, interesting aspect that I noticed yesterday. So as for the history of the song, we do know that it was in the oral tradition by about 1840. 
um, from various reports, but surprisingly only very, very few printed sources have been found. Like there's only one broadside printing that's known, and that was the one that was printed by John Pitts of London around the 1820s. And then there's another printing in a chapbook from around 1818 in the Robert White collection. There was also a Victorian rewrite of the song, which was called Johnny Sands and Betsy Hay, that's Road Ballad 184, the very next in the list. But this one was written by the comedian and singer John Sinclair around 1840 and it regularly appears in American collections in this form. Um, the plot to this one is quite similar except there is no mention of marabones or blindness. In it, the husband says to the wife that he's tired of life and wants to drown himself. But at the last minute, his courage fails him and he can't do it. So he asks her um, to tie his hands together and push him in. Just as in Marabones, he makes sure that she is the one to fall in. And then he declares that he can't help her because his hands are tied behind his back. Talking about the age of this ballad, there's one more thing that I want to mention. And this is really, really compelling. Um, so I'll preface this by talking about Moncon McGann's book, 32 Words for Field. I don't know how many of you out there have read it, but it's a really amazing book. I really love it. And there was one chapter in particular that really, like, really struck me, uh, brought me back to my studies of old Irish. Um, and I used to be really fascinated by this aspect, namely the connections between native Irish culture and Indian culture, which demonstrably reach back thousands of years. So linguists and other experts have long postulated the idea of an Indo-European culture with shared cultural heritage and language dating way back to prehistoric times. But the link between Ireland and India seems to have remained stronger for a longer period of time. Um, according to McGann in his book, this is because both of them are on the margins, like Ireland on the western margin of the Indo-European area India on the eastern margin. And while things tend to change more rapidly in the centre of areas, the edges are always more conservative culturally, less likely to succumb to new influences, new trends or whatever, um, even language changes. So they hold on to, like in this case, earlier forms of language for a lot longer. Um, to give you a few examples of linguistic similarities between the two there are the words for king, so in Irish, re, in Indian, raja. Noblemen in early Irish society were called ara, in India, do be arias. The connection between brehev, um, it's like an Irish judge or a legal person, that's where we get the word brehen law, and brahman in Indian culture. There is the appearance of the goddess Danu in both cultures, and one which I never heard of before reading 32 words for field about the great white cow in the universe, the Bow Hyun, which gives us the name for the Boyne River, and the god Govinda, which is made of the same cognate words. How uh, crazy is that? I love it. Given this background of cultural connection, it might not be that crazy to hear that the song in question today actually has a parallel in an ancient Indian folktale. It's contained in a collection of stories called the Pancha Tantra, which was first written down at some stage between 200 BC and 300 AD, but most likely containing material which was current in the oral tradition since way before that. So the story which concerns us is called the Butter-Blinded Brahmin. Now, given the plot of the song in question, listen to this and just see how similar it is. So basically this Brahmin had a wife who was always making cakes with sugar and butter for her secret lover. 
when the Brahmin asked her what she was at, she said that she was making them as an offering to the shrine of a local goddess. The next time the wife did this, the Brahmin went by another road and hid behind the statue of the goddess, where he spied his wife making an offering and praying, O oh, blessed one, how may my husband be made blind? The Brahmin called out from behind the statue, If you never stop giving him such food as butter and butter cakes, that will make him go blind. So she did just that, and the Brahmin played along, saying, Oh, I can't see very well. So the wife continued giving him butter and butter cakes. Then finally, thinking that he was fully blind, her lover started to come actually into the house every day. But at last, the Brahmin had enough of it, caught the lover as he entered, seized him by the hair, and clubbed him and kicked him to such effect that he died. He also cut off his wife's nose as punishment and dismissed her. Woo! So I think making connections such as this one between a 19th century song and a story dating back as early as perhaps 200 BC is always going to be a very tricky subject and very hard to do and very hard to go back and trace like narrative folk tales and songs back to their Ur form or whatever. And I think it's kind of a waste of time. I think it's enough to know that folklore and oral traditions has a way of conserving these um, motifs and plots and diff and archetypes. I think it's enough to say that oral culture has certain ways of conserving these motifs and archetypes and plots and that it's no surprise to see them pop up again and again and again in different cultures around the world. But anyway, that's enough of a preamble about the song. I'm going to start playing some versions. And to start off, I'm going to play the version that I would have heard first, that is tipping it up to Nancy. Um, I would have first heard Christy Moore singing this, but Christy's source for it, like a lot of the songs, was the Boyle-based Irish traveller, John Riley. Now, this is on the John Riley LP, The Bonnie Green Tree, and it was from a recording made by Tom Wunderly in his own home in Dublin in winter 1967. I think this might be when he invited John Riley to come and stay with him for Christmas. Um, but two things to notice in this version are the personal names of the couple. There's Nancy and the man's name, Martin, which I think is fair to say it is kind of unusual in the song. It does happen in some versions, but it's not very common. Um, and also, the final verse of the song, which sounds to me like a bit of a floater. <laughs> We've got a floater! Um, so the last verse says, For now I've nine in family, and none of them my own, but I wish to Lord that every man will come and claim his own. Which sounds like it should come from a song where it is a male narrator singing. It doesn't make sense that it's the woman saying, none of these kids are my own. But who knows where it came from. Um, answers on the back of a postcard, please. All I can say is that's the way John Riley sang it, and he sang it very well. This is John Riley with Tipping It Up to Nancy. There was a woman in our town, a woman you all know well. She really loved her husband, Dan, another man twice as well. What me right, then he go near Rio. Tip, then he go war, what me right, then he go near Rio. Tipping it up to Nancy. For she went to the chemist shop to remedies for to buy. Is there anything in the chemist shop but put an old man blind? What me right, when he go near Rio. Tip, when he go war, what me right, when he go near Rio. Tipping it up to Nancy. 
Where he gave hearty marrow bones for him to suck them all. Before he had a last one sucked, he couldn't see at all. What me right, then he gone aereo. Tip, then he go war. What me right, then he gone aereo. Tip and he loved tenancy. For in this world they cannot be, or in this world they cannot see. I'd rather go and drown myself. Come on and I'll show you the way. Worth me right, then he go near Rio. Tip, then he go war. Worth me right, then he go near Rio. Tip and it up ten and see. For she brought him to the river, she brought him to the brim. Was lying off a mountain, sorry did shove in. What me right, then he go near Rio. Tip, then he go war. What me right, then he go near Rio. Tipping it up ten and see. For she swam through the river, she swam into the brim. Martin, dear Martin, don't leave me behind. Go along, oh, that's a silly old fool. You know, poor Martin is blind. What me right? Then he go near Rio. Tip, then he go war. What me right? Then he go near Rio. Tip and it up ten and see. For now I've nine and family, and none of them my own. But I wish the Lord that every man will come and claim his own. What me right? Then he go near Rio. Tip, then he go war. What me right? Then he go near Rio. Tip and it up ten and see. Joe Heaney sang a version of this song, which he called The Old Woman of Wexford. Um, it's on his album The Road from Connemara, which is a double CD that was released by Topic Records in the year 2000. I believe that this song was recorded in Ewan McCall and Peggy Seeger's house in Beckenham in 1964. Now, Tom Mundley was of the opinion that Joe must have learned this song from Seamus Ennis, who also sang it, because it doesn't appear to have been in the in the tradition around um, Joe's part of the world in Connemara but what I think is interesting about this version is the slightly showy way that Joe sings it like he maybe like and I'm not trying to contradict Tom Munley in any way Tom Munley was the absolute master and he completely knew what he was talking about all the time but what I was struck by is a slightly showy way that Joe sings it here like kind of at odds with his singing style but um, I imagined, like, maybe he learned this from the Clancy Brothers or something who used to sing this exact version of the song. But just listen to the way he slows down on the last verse. Now, this is definitely not something he would have learned to do traditionally in Karna, I would venture to suggest. But um, I looked it up and sure enough, there's a live version of the Clancy Brothers singing this and they slow down the last verse in exactly the same way. Now, whether or not, Joe learned it from them or he learned it from Seamus Ennis and then picked up on this kind of stylistic trait from the Clancy's who knows but that's what he does anyway um, it's still class this is Joe Heaney the old woman of Wexford there was an old woman in Wexford and in Wexford found it well she loved her husband dearly but another man twice as well but Merakful Merakful one day she went to the doctor, some medicine for to find. She said, I want something for to make me old man blind. What miracle die for the little miracle die for thee? Oh, feed your mangs and marabones and make him suck them all. It won't be so very long after he can't see you at all. What miracle die for the little miracle die for thee? 
So the doctor wrote a letter, and he sealed it with his hand. And he sent it to the old man, just to let him understand, What my rags will die for the low, and my rags will die for thee. And she fed him eggs and marrow bones, and made him suck them all. It wasn't so very long after, till he couldn't see the wall, What my rags will die for the low, and my rags will die for thee. Oh, says he, I'd go and drown myself, for that would be a sin. She said, I'll come to the waters, I can help to push you in. With my rags will die for the low, and my rags will die for thee. So they jogged and jogged and jogged along till they came to the water's brim. She said, you came here to drown yourself and me to push you in. With my rags will die for the low, and my rags will die for thee. So the old woman stepped back a bit, far to push him in. But the old man quickly stepped aside, and she went tumbling in. With my rags will die for the low, and my rags will die for thee. Oh, how loudly did she yell, and how loudly did she bawl. I pushed your tongue, dear woman, he said, sure, I can't see you at all. With my rags will die for the low, and my rags will die for thee. And she swam and swam and swam around till he came to the farther brim. For he grabbed his sally wattle and he pushed her further in. But my rags will die for the low and my rags will die for thee. Now eggs and eggs and marrow bones may make your old man blind. But if you want to drown him, you must creep up close behind. What my rags will die for the low and my rags will die for thee. Further north from Joe's neck of the woods, up in County Fermanagh, the song was certainly known. And singing it here is a man called Red Mick McDermott. And this is from a really great CD called The Hardy Sons of Dan. Football, hunting and other traditional songs from around Loch Erin's shore. And this came out on the excellent Musical Traditions label. And there's a really funny story in the notes written by the collector Keith Summers about mistaking the singer Red Mick McDermott for another local named Mad Mick McDermott. But the notes go on to say... On meeting Red Mick McDermott, a diminutive little man, my fears were allayed. We settled into the Dunnell Lounge and Grill, and after a little liquid encouragement, Red Mick began to sing. He was unquestionably one of the most distinctive of the singers that I've recorded, but what you will not notice from the recordings is that although it was a Tuesday afternoon, the bar was full of between a dozen and two dozen mainly young lads who were presumably unemployed, who were presumably unemployed with nothing better to do. To their eternal credit, they sat there very quietly, listened to the proceedings, and despite the age difference between the singer and themselves, showed great respect for Red Mick, and I got the impression, thoroughly enjoyed his singing. That is absolutely class, and it really chimes in with kind of situations I've witnessed myself up in places like Donegal, where the bar will be full of young lads drinking Red Bull and vodka and just going mad, but like all go totally silent when one of the older singers, or anybody, starts singing a song. Um, really really amazing to see um, and maybe only in Ireland like a lot of people have commented on this is maybe only in Ireland you kind of see that respect for songs across all generations and um, I'm not saying it's something that happens all the time there's certainly been many occasions where I've been in bars where everybody's making lots of noise but there's certain parts of Ireland that you'll go to and anybody there will be quiet even the boy racers <laughs> now the version I'm going to play now Red Mick McDermott it is unique in that it refers to the couple as the old boy and the old doll which I love and 
the last verse I'll leave up to yourselves to figure out it says at last she went to the bottom oh bad luck to the tear he'll cry well she never heard that the neighbour meant to lift her petticoats high this is Red Mick McDermott with Marabones I sing you Billy's oh there was an old woman in our town and in our town she didn't well she loved her own man dearly but another boy twice as well with for eight for two laddie and me white for two relief. Oh, this old doll, she went up to a chemist shop, some stuff in it for to find. For to see was there anything about the place that had knocked the old boy blind. With for eight for two laddie and me white for two relief. Now he says if you'd buy them eggs and marabones, and make him sup them all. I'll guarantee in a fortnight after them, or he'll not see you at all. With Marie Pultura laddie and me white Pultura lee. Well, she boiled them eggs and the marabones, and she made them sup them all. But in less than an hour after them, he was trying to get through a wall with my right full to laddie and me white full to Well, she walked them down, she walked them down, I to the water's brim. She says, thank God he'll drown himself when I will shove him in with my right full to laddie and me white full to here the old doll, she takes a running race for to throw the old boy in. But the old boy, he juked to the one side and she lit in it to the chin with my right vulture laddie and me white vulture Sometimes she swam, sometimes she sunk and loudly she did bawl. The old boy roars at the top of his voice, I can't see you at all. With my right vulture laddie and me white vulture At last she went to the bottom. Oh, bad luck to the tear he'll cry. Wish an overhand that the neighbour men to lift her petticoats. Hey, with my right vulture laddie and me white vulture Further east in the north of Ireland, Sarah Maycomb, mother of musician Tommy, was a native of Keady, County Armagh. And I suppose the chorus of the version she sang, The Canny Old Lad, does hint at a possible Scottish source for her version of the song. Now, her ending verse, which I'm coming to realise there is as many as versions of the song, goes, Well, when she was near drowned, he took her out on land, saying, I'll bet you the notions out of your head to flip in another man. Which is kind of a happy ending, and at least she didn't drown. But uh, here's Sarah Makem with Canny Old Lad. Oh, there was a lady in this town and in this town to dwell And she loved her own man dearly but another man twice as well And my rickety roarum boarum and my rickety boarum dee And my rickety roarum boarum and a canny lass was she Oh, she went unto the doctor to see what she could find Saying, doctor, give me something for to set me a lad blind on his rickety roarum boarum on his rickety boarum dee on his rickety roarum boarum on a cunnier lass was she. Oh, boil him eggs and marrow bone and make him sup them all 
and it won't be very long after till he can see you at all on his rickety roarum borum and his rickety borum dee on his rickety roarum borum and a cannier lass was she so she boiled them eggs and marrow bone and made him suck them all and it wasn't very long after till he couldn't see her at all on his rickety roarum borum on his rickety borum dee on his rickety roarum borum and a cannier lad was he Oh, I'm tired of me life, and I'm tired of me wife, and I think I'll go and drown myself, and that will end all strife with my rickety roarum borum and my rickety borum dee, with my rickety roarum borum and a cannier lad was he. Oh, for to drown yourself, John, you know it would be a sin, but sure I will go with long with you and help to throw you in on your rickety roarum borum and your rickety borum dee on your rickety roarum borum and a cannier lad was he so they walked and they talked till they came to the river brim says the cannier lad I won't drown myself unless you throw me in on my rickety roarum borum and my rickety borum dee and my rickety roarum borum and a cannier lad was he then she placed him on the water edge, took a race to throw him in. But the canny old lad, he stepped one side, and she went tumbling in. On a rickety roarum borum, on a rickety borum dee. On a rickety roarum borum, on a canny old lad was he. Then she hauled and she bawled till she came to the river brim. But the canny old lad with a point of his stick, he dibbled her farther in. On his rickety roarum borum, on his rickety borum dee, on his rickety roarum borum, and a cannier lad was he. Well, when she was near drowned dead, he took her out on land, saying, I'll bet you the notions out of your head if looking another man on your rickety roarum borum, on your rickety borum dee, on your rickety roarum borum, and a cannier lad was he. Talking about Scottish versions of the song, a common name for the ballad over there is The Old Woman from Kelso, or The Wife of Kelso. And the following version was sung by Janet Gibson Lynch of Bladnock Kirkinner, Wigtonshire, or Wigtown, Wigtownshire, but I presume it's pronounced something like Wigtonshire or something. But this was recorded by Hamish Henderson in 1967. And in this version, the man actually rubs marrow bones into his eyes, which shows like a kind of just a development in the folklore around the song where things were just people were like postulating people were coming up with their own ideas now the origin of the idea about marrowbones making you blind is anecdotally who knows if, if this is true but based on an old joke and the joke is something about if you take a marrowbone and boil it all the marrow comes out into the water and it makes a broth so if you look through the middle of the bone you can't see anything at all and um, I don't know if I buy that but obversely, the punchline may be based on the woman's stupidity to actually believe that marrow bones and or eggs could make someone blind. I don't know. But anyway, this is Janet Gibson Lynch with the old woman from Kelso. Uh, what's the song you're going to sing? The, the old woman from Kelso. And when did you first hear it? I, I heard my mother singing it when I was very young. Okay. And I, I liked it so much that I always... He sang it, and then I've entertained lots and lots all over the place mm-hmm. with this song. It, there was an old woman in Kelso, in Kelso she did dwell. 
She loved her husband dearly, and another one twice as well. Singing foldy, I do tiddy fall, I do foldy, do way. She went into the chemist's shop, a medicine for to find. Oh, could you give me something, sir, to knock an old man blind? Singing foldy, I do tiddy fall, I do the I do way. You can get a pound of marabone and ground it very small and put it into your old man's eyes, he won't see any at all. Singing foldy, I do tiddy fall, I do the I do way. She bought a pound of marabone, she ground it very small and she put it into her old man's eyes and he couldn't see any at all. Singing foldy, I do, tiddy fall, I do, foldy, I do, eh. Oh, my dearest wife, seeing I am tired of life, I think I'll go and drown myself and that shall end the strife. Singing foldy, I do, tiddy fall, I do, foldy, do, They marched along the gither day, they come to river brim. The owl man was to stand a brink, the woman to shove a min. Singing foldy, I do, tiddy fall, I do, foldy, do, The owl woman took a long, long stride to shove the owl man in. The cunning all rascal stepped aside, the silly all woman fell in. Singing foldy, I do, tiddy fall, I do, the I do, Oh, she swam about in the river, and she grabbed at the river brim. The almond caught a pile and stop and shoveled the further in. Singing foldy, I do, tiddy fall, I do, foldy, I do, Oh, my dearest husband, come save me while I cry. Who the devil can I save you with the marabone in me eyes? Singing foldy, I do, tiddy do, the I do, Then the alman he went merchant him and merrily he did sing. The wife has gain and drowned her cell and knew she'd free for sin. Singing foldy, I do, tiddy fall, I do, foldy, I do, Now who do you like first that? Rate, you know? First rate, lovely. That's what I ought to get me to do that. I put William everywhere. Now I'm going to play another Scottish version of the song, this time sung by George Inglis Fraser of Stricken, Aberdeenshire, and this was recorded by Professor Kenneth S. Goldstein in 1959. Now, as I've mentioned, some of the ending verses to these songs are absolutely amazing, but this one might be my all-time favourite. It goes, If any of you my story doubt or think that I am wrong, You'll find him at the fishing time, at the pier of Foggy Lone. So basically saying, if you think I'm lying, go to the fog, the pier at the Foggy Lone and you'll find him when it's fishing time. He's out there. You can ask him about it yourself. And I love this. It's like a stylistic kind of coda that you see in a lot of folk tales where, to add to the veracity of the story, people will point out things that actually exist and are demonstrably there in real life like you know it's like oh and you can still see the tree that burnt down to this very day on the side of the road between Baldile and Port Marnock or whatever it's usually the case of a migratory folktale being localised and people will make these connections themselves and be like oh yeah you can still see the ruins of that old house over there and the ruins of the old house are actually there and that proves that the story is true or whatever anyway I love it this is George Inglis Fraser with the tune a Kelso
Twas in the town of Kill, so a lovely woman did dwell. She loved her husband tenderly, but another man twice as well. Oh, fall little airy, fall little airy, fall little airy on. She went into the druggist some medicine for to buy, for she had resolved in her own mind that her husband he should die. Oh, fall little airy, fall little airy, fall little airy on. She bought a pound of marble and ground it very small, and before he had the half foot eaten, he couldn't see any at all. Oh, fall little airy, fall little airy, fall little airy on. I'm tired of my life, he cried aloud, oh, I'm tired of my life. I think I'll get and drown myself, and that will end the strife. Oh, fall little airy, fall little airy, fall little airy on. Down the street together they went, she whistled and she sang. My husband's going to drown himself, and I'm sure he's free for sin. Oh, fall little airy, fall little airy, fall little airy on. Down the street together they went till they came to the water's brim. Oh, he will take a great long race and help to ding me in. Oh, fall little airy, fall little airy, fall little airy on. Oh, she did take a great long race to help to ding him in. But the cunning all nicker he jumped aside and she get tumbling in. Oh, fall little airy, fall little airy, fall little airy on. Oh, save my life, oh, save my life, oh, save me, will I call? Oh, how could I come and save your life when I don't see any at all? Oh, fall little airy, fall little airy, fall little airy on. Oh, tacky that ye all jad ye thought that I was blind, but I'll get whistling him again and another wife I'll find. Oh, fall little airy, fall little airy, fall little airy on. If any of you my story doubt or think that I am wrong, you'll find him in the fishing time and appear a foggy lawn. Oh, fall little airy, fall little airy, fall little airy on. Okay, now this next one has a very cool little motif. Well, I don't think you could even call it motif. I think motifs are based around action or sequences of action, but this is just a thing. Um, this is Jimmy Knights from Suffolk in England, and he's singing a song about an old woman in Ireland, and the thing that she uses in this to make her husband blind is something called Strong Ireland Wine. Um, is it Puccini he's talking about? Who knows? But this was recorded on the 3rd of April, 1975. It was on a topic album called Songs and Music from Suffolk, um, Sing, Say and Play. And then it's also on one of the Voice of the People um, anthologies, Volume 6, I believe. Tonight, I'll Make You My Bride. This is Jimmy Knight with Marabones, a.k.a. Strong Ireland Wine. Now there wasn't a woman in Ireland in Ireland she did well. She loved her own husband right dearly, and another man twice as well. Told my ready for lol, my ready for lol, my ready for laurel day. My ready for lol, right ready for lol, my ready for laurel day. Now the old woman, she went to the doctors to see what she could find. She said she wanted something that would turn the old man blind. Told me, ready for lol, ready for lol, ready for laurel day. Ready for lol, ready for lol, ready for laurel day. Now the doctor advised a marabone and beer both large and small. And give the old man strong island wine till he can't see you at all. Told my ready for lol, my ready for lol, my ready for laurel day. My ready for lol, ready for lol, my ready for laurel day. Now the old woman, she took the marabone home and beer both large and small. And give the old man strong island wine 
Honestly, can't see you at all. Tell my ready for lol, my ready for lol, my ready for laurel day. My ready for lol, my ready for lol, my ready for laurel day. Now the old man said he drowned himself because he'd lost his sight. The old girl said, I'll go with you and see it, you do it right. Tell my ready for lol, my ready for lol, my ready for laurel day. My ready for lol, my ready for lol, my ready for laurel day. Now as I were a walking, I walk into the brim. The old man he shoved out his foot, they pushed the old gal in. Tell my ready for lol, my ready for lol, my ready for laurel day. Right, ready for lol, my ready for lol, my ready for laurel day. My God, how she did holler, my God, how she did scream. The old man, he picked up a pole and he pushed her father in. Told my ready for lol, my ready for lol, my ready for laurel day. My ready for lol, my ready for lol, my ready for laurel day. And now my song is ended. I've got no more to sing. The old girl, she got drowned The old man can rejoice again. Tell my ready for lol, my ready for lol, ready for laurel day. Ready for lol, ready for lol, my ready for laurel day. <laughs> now, there might be people who would argue with me over this, but I would say the most mutable aspects of traditional songs are place names and personal names. And this song is no different. Um, although it's rare that you do hear personal names in versions of the song, the place names change all the time. And you hear titles like, we just heard The Old Woman of Ireland, The Old Woman from Wexford, The Old Woman of Oxford, There's The Old Woman from Orkshire, The Old Woman from Kelso, Dover, London, etc. Reflecting where the song was current. In North America, it was popular in Canada, where a version called What Ails You was collected in Ontario. And in Newfoundland, where the following version was found, it's quite short, but it's by Ken Peacock, and this is The Old Woman from Dover. I've no idea how the Dover version became current over there, but there you go. This is Ken Peacock. There lived an old woman in Dover, in Dover she did dwell. She dearly loved her husband, but another man twice as well. She went down to the doctor, some medicine for to buy saying, have you any medicine here to make an old man blind? Oh yes, I have some marrow bone, just grind it up so small, and before he gets it half down, he won't see you at all. She carried home the marrow bone and ground it up so small, and before he got it half down, he couldn't see her at all. Saying, now you're old and feeble, in this world you cannot see, and if you want to drown yourself, just boldly follow me. She led him to the river, she led him to the brim. And if you want to drown yourself, now boldly you jump in. The little old woman, she sneaked behind to push her husband in. But the little old man, he jumped aside and boldly she fell in. She went down to the bottom, she came up to the brim. And the little old man with his walking cane, he bobbed her down again.
So one thing that is not so mutable in this ballad are the things that are used to make the husband blind. It's usually marrow bones, sometimes eggs and marrow bones. Um, as we heard earlier, that was the outlier of strong Ireland wine. But the following one has my definite favourite ingredient, and that is holy boli. <laughs> Whatever that is. And this was sung by a woman called Helen Fultz of Mayfield, Arkansas in January 1916. I think it might be my favourite version just because she sounds like she's good crack. Um, and there is another fourth wall breaking final verse. And it's also class. This one goes, And now my song has ended. I can't sing anymore. But don't you know that darned old fool came swimming to the shore. This is Helen Fultz with Holy Bowley. My name is Helen Fultz. I live at Mayfield, Arkansas. And the name of this song is Holy Boat. <laughs> I, I don't know it. <laughs> there was an old woman in London. She did dwell. She loved her old man dearly and loved her twice as well. She went to the doctor to see if she could find some kind of medicine to run her old man blind. Okay, I'm going to play one now by a man called Horton Barker. This one was included on an album called Traditional Singer. It came out in 1962 on Folkways Records. It was recorded in Beach Creek, North Carolina by a woman called Sandy Patton. What I find interesting about this one is the tune because the second bar is reminiscent of Johnny I Hardly Knew You or When Johnny Comes Marching Home. Um, you can listen to a past podcast I did on that uh, all the way back on episode... 12 um, but this one is there was an old lady this is Horton Barker there was an old lady in our town in our town did dwell she loved her husband dearly but another man twice as well sing to the yum sing to the yum whack for holiday she went down to the butcher shop to see if she could find to see if she could find something to make her old man blind. Sing to the yum, sing to the yum, whack a holiday. She got twelve dozen marrow bones, she made him suck them all. 
Says he, old woman, I am so blind I cannot see at all. Sing to the yum, sing to the yum, whack for holiday. Says he, I'd go and drown myself if I could only see. Says she, my dearest husband, I'll go and show you the way. Sing to the yum, sing to the yum, whack for holiday. She bundled him up in his old gray coat. She took him to the brim. Says he, I cannot drown myself unless you push me in. Sing to the yum, sing to the yum, whack for holiday. The old woman took a step or two back to give a roll and sprang. The old man stepped a little to the side and she went tumbling in. Sing to the yum, sing to the yum, whack for holiday. She bubbled and gurgled and squalled out as loud as she could bawl. Says he, old woman, I'm so blind I can't see you at all. Sing to the yum, sing to the yum, whack for holiday. The old man being kind-hearted for fear that she could swim. He went and got a very long pole and pushed her further in. Sing to the yum, sing to the yum, whack for holiday. So although Johnny Sands is often regarded as a separate song altogether, um, as I noted earlier, it does have its own separate round number. comes straight after Marabones. Um, I thought it was of sufficient interest to play at least one version of on this episode. As you know, it survived quite strongly in the States where there was a number of versions recorded over the years. But Heidi West recorded the song in 1966 on her Topic Records album, Pretty Zero. Um, and in her notes, she says, Johnny Sands and my good old man were first British and then American. Johnny Sands was a stage remake, circa... 1840 by a singer and comedian John Sinclair from the folk ballad called The Wife of Kelso. Both songs here are from the repertory of my great-grandmother. Gus, which was Heidi West's granduncle, had changed the text and the tunes of Johnny Sands, but I sing Grandma's version. This is Heidi West, Johnny Sands. There was a man named Johnny Sand He married a Betsy Haig Although she brought him golden land She proved a terrible plague Although she was a loving wife Full of caprice and whim He said that he was tired of life And she was tired of him Said he, I think I'll drown myself The river runs below Said she prayed, do you silly elf I wished it long ago For fear that I should courage lack And try to save my life You tie my hands behind my back I will, replied his wife She tied his hands behind his back And when securely done Said he, I'll stand here on the brink And you prepare to run Oh, down the hill this loving wife Ran with all her force To push him in He stepped aside And she fell in, of course Now splashing, dashing like a fish Cried, save me, Johnny Sand I would, my dear, for much I wish But you have tied my hands 
So this next one has been troubling me ever since I made the first version of this episode almost three years ago. Um, back then I was listening to the Ewan McCall radio series The Song Carriers which I think is really amazing and should check out. I think there's like nine episodes. He talks all about traditional singing, different stylistic stuff, English traditional singers, Irish traditional singers. Um, really worth listening to, whatever you think about Ewan McCall. But I was intrigued by the introduction that he gave to the following song. It basically said that James Ironhead Baker, who was an African-American man recorded in prison, um, according to the book The Man Who Recorded the World, which is all about Alan Lomax, he was a 64-year-old trustee whose deep knowledge of songs led John, that's John Lomax, Alan's father, to proclaim him a black homer. Baker lived his songs, feeling their emotions viscerally, pacing mournful songs like Old Hannah, as slow as the day he had just spent in the sunburnt fields, or carefully leaving the drama of Shorty George, a song about leaving prison that had once moved him so much that he tried to escape, only to be caught. Now, James Ironhead Baker, so basically they said in the radio show, James Ironhead Baker sang a beautiful version of this. So here's Peggy Seeger doing an impression of him and singing it in the way that he would have sung and I was listening to this going what like why don't they just play the recording of him and the, here's the thing that's bugging me I've looked and looked and looked but there doesn't seem to be a surviving copy of this recording which is really unfortunate I actually have a scan of like the index card where it says there's like number 721A1 and it says the rich old lady sung by James Baker and in brackets Ironhead Washington DC, John A. Lomax, May 1936, and then it says, Singer from Sugarland, Texas. And it has, like, a tape says, like, R51 side A. I've no idea where this is, but I really want to find it because all we have is Peggy Seeger's version. So, in lieu, I'm going to play that. This is Peggy Seeger singing Rich Old Lady in the style of James Ironhead Baker. Once an old lady. Tennessee did well She had a loving husband But she loved other men's as well Well, I love my darling, oh And I love my darling, oh I'm going down to that doctor's shop Just to see what I can find See if I can't find something around that place That'll run my own
and shove him in. The old man steps to little one side and a headlong she goes in. And love my darling, oh, and love my darling, oh. Well, she yell and she holler, loud as any woman could bawl. He says, my dear, I am so blind, I just can't see you at all. swim so he grabbed him a fishing pole and he shoved her father in well I love my darling oh and I love my darling oh so feed your old man marrow bone and it bound to make him blind but if you want to do him in you gotta creep up from behind well I love my Okay, so I was looking for something suitably wonky and different to end the show on and I was really at a loss. There's so many versions of the song out there and after listening to about like 20 versions that I thought might be a bit like funny, I started to get tired and despair but then I came across this absolute gem. I've no idea about it except I think the singer, Dorothy Olsen, is actually putting on a cod Irish accent in the in it and this is from an album called I Know Where I'm Going and I hope that you like the song it is I think it's class Um, and I hope you enjoyed the episode I'm glad I finally got to redo it and it's getting out there in the world Um, and I hope you're all keeping well hope you're enjoying the weather not getting too sunburned and taking care of yourselves taking care of each other okay I'll see you very soon Um, cool Good luck. There was an old woman in our town, in our town did dwell. Loved her husband dearly, but another man twice as well. Fa-la-la-la, fa-la-la-la-la, fa-la-la-la, fa-la-la-la. She went down to the butcher shop to see what she could find. Intent upon buying something to make her old man blind. She bought seven dozen old marrow bones and made him eat them all. Says he, old woman, I am so blind, I can't see you at all. Fa-la-la-la, 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 fa-la-la-la. He said, I'd like to go drown myself, but I cannot see the way. Says she, old man, I'll help you, just come along today. She took him down to the river bank and there she made him stand. She drew back a few paces to push him from the land. She took a running jump to push him off ahead. But the old man stepped aside and she went in instead. Oh,
does an old marabones can make any old man blind. But if you want to kill him, you've got to creep up from behind. Diddle, 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 diddle